So again, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19. Um, just, a, just a little intro. Um, it's been such a great series that we've been studying, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And as we've been diving into the Sermon on the Mount, um, I just want to say I'm very honored to be able to teach alongside these great men. You know, Jared, Jared, and Josh and Josh. <laughs> um, if you guys don't know them, that's, that's just the, the leadership team here. But I really hope my prayer is that Jesus' word would continue to refine us, that it would encourage us, and that it would draw us close to him today. And so just to recap of what has been going on the last couple weeks, here we have this scene of Jesus teaching on the side of this hill, right? It's not, everyone thinks of, you know, the, the mountain, but I, I was talking to my wife, she's been to this, this, this spot, but it's just a, a little hill, right? It's the side of a hill by the Sea of Galilee. And so he's teaching on what it looks like to live in the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Even though Jesus speaks about certain topics regarding the kingdom, kingdom living, the way that, teach it, the way that he teaches these, this sermon is so seamless and it just flows so well. And so one thing to note, as was said from teachers previously, that this teaching is for us believers, you know, his disciples, his followers. This isn't for the world, this isn't for the lost, but for his followers, you guys who have proclaimed Jesus in your heart. And so if you place your hope and trust in Jesus, this sermon is for you. If you've asked Jesus, Jesus into your heart and are struggling, this is for you. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and you're in sin, you're walking in sin, this sermon is still for you. So just a few things Again, a recap of what Jesus taught so far. Kingdom people are to be the salt of the earth with flavor, right? And we, we also saw that um, it's to be the light of the world. We're to, we're to shine bright. And so we're to be different and set apart for the glory of God. And then also we see that kingdom people are to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us, right? And so Jesus here, he's clearing up so much confusion on how to live in the kingdom. Kingdom people have kingdom standards. And so there is a huge difference, a big difference between kingdom living and living for this world. Josh Hughes, man, it was so good. It was so encouraging, and it just blessed my heart last week. It convicted me also. But he taught on Jesus' teaching how to give, how to, to pray, and to fast, right? These are three things that are so important in the Christian walk. But also, he, sh he shared about how it can be done in a wrong way, right? We saw that the Pharisees, these hypocrites, they did it, um, these pretenders, they did it to, to, to be noticed. Um, they gave when everyone was watching, right? They made noise so they could get the recognition of man, the praises of man. And then they prayed using all these fancy words to make them sound all holy and, so, and sound so spiritual, right? And then they fasted, and he made it known that they were by making their faces look sad, right? Like when you're hungry, you're like, oh, pity me. And so they did this all they, so they can get the praise of man and to receive recognition. God said that was their reward. That was the only reward that they were going to get. But God offers a greater reward when we do these things in secret with the right heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today's teaching, we're going to look at what it looks like in the, in the kingdom, and I'm going to break this down into my, my outline. Verses 19 to 21, we're going to look at storing up treasures, 
verses 22 to 23, the contrast between the eye that is full of light and the eye that is in darkness. Verse 24, the impossibility of serving God and mammon. And last but not least, my favorite subject, anxiety over our desires, verses 25 through 34. So let's begin in verse 19 to 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for your treasures, but lay up for your treasure, wait, I'm sorry, but lay up for your treasure yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so in the kingdom of God, we are to lay up treasures in heaven. And so one thing that I want to kind of clear up too, what this is not saying is that we can't have material things and enjoy the things we have on this earth. Jesus is speaking about material things when he says treasures on earth, but treasures on earth aren't a bad thing in and of themselves. We have all of our stuff, right? Um, But it's when we make it our main priority to store up to accumulate all these things. And it says in verse 19, yourselves. There is a difference when we use our possessions for the kingdom. It's not selfish, but others focused. And so a lot of you guys know, um, I'm a woodworker by trade, right? I build custom furniture. I build cabinets. This isn't a plug for my business. Um, But I have accumulated a large amount of tools over the years. You know, I don't use the tools I have for myself. I don't just go fixing my house and and updating everything, right? But what I do is I build for others. I use them to bless others. I use them to provide for my family, right? And so people of God are selfless. Treasures on earth won't last. And I want to share a story about a man that I've come to to really get to know over the last six years, Um, but just a little bit how I met this man. His name is Lauren. So one afternoon, the family and I went on our walk in our neighborhood, and we ran into this man named Lauren, who had gotten lost due to his poor eyesight. He was about 88 at the time. He needed us to help him get back home. And to make a note, before I met Lauren, I would see him every day walking in our neighborhood. He would go up the street, um, go up up this hill. It was just like a routine thing that he did. Lauren was a creature of habit. He always wore his fluorescent yellow jacket. He had his, um, his little, um, it's not like, they're kind of like stilts, but like little walkers to assist them. Um, stilts. They look like stilts um, for his hands. Um, and then he had his, his big sombrero to cover um, the sun, and he had his big old sunglasses. And so I got, as I got to know him over the years, I discovered that he used to be Richmond High's um, wood, wood shop teacher. And, um, and he also used to be the adult um, woodshop teacher for another community college. And so we shared a common interest, right, woodworking. And so over the last 60 years, Lauren, he has accumulated many tools, a mass quantity of lumber and building material. Five years ago, or after the boys were born, I remember him asking if I wanted a bunch of hardwoods. And if you guys are familiar with building material, you, you saw it in, in the pandemic, everyone was building, everything skyrocketed, right, just for building material. Hardwoods is even more valuable. And so he has 
mounds, literally, I kid you not, probably this section of just hardwoods um, filled with like all these exotic woods that he's accrued over his life. Um, but what happened was bugs got, got to them. They were eaten up. A lot of it got eaten up by termites, bugs. Um, I was able to salvage about a quarter of the stack because if, if you guys are familiar, some woods are um, rot resistant to bugs. Um, so I was able to, to save some of that. But, he, but one thing that he also had was a lot of tools. As a woodworker, you can never have too many clamps. You can never have too many anything in, in, in my trade, as even contractors can attest to that. But he had a lot of tools in his sheds. And all the tools that, although he had a lot of tools, they were covered, I noticed that there was rust on a lot of these tools due to the condensation probably. And then I also remember him mentioning he had a people doing some clearing in his garage and in his backyard and in, and in um, I think, I believe inside his house. I remember him saying, I think someone stole my tools or some of my tools. So here we see a perfect example that earthly, earthly treasures don't last. And we see in, 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 in verse 19 what happens. Moth, bugs, they eat it, right? There's rust that happens. They deteriorate over time. They, nothing happened. They just, over time, they just got rusted. And then also thieves, they steal. Earthly treasures do not last. And so we know what earthly treasures are, right? Let's do the flip side. What are treasures in heaven? And I'm going to give you guys a few examples. It can obviously extend on, on whatever the Lord has called you. But pouring into your local church, supporting a missionary, supporting a, mis, a, a, a ministry, being a cheerful giver, Investing your time in sharing the gospel. And I love what Colossians 3.2 says. It says, set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. Heavenly treasures last. I'll repeat that. Heavenly treasures last. And I love what Papa Chuck says. He says, the best investment we can make is in the Lord's work. So there is a big difference between kingdom living and the worldly people, right, worldly living. The people of this world are about making money, getting good jobs, right, storing up treasures on this earth. You know, they reap the benefit now. You know, they have all these things now. They can enjoy them now, but it doesn't last. And so, you know, that's the reward, but I want something that, that is, is going to last. I want heavenly treasures. And so... Why is this all important? Why, 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 should we, why should we store treasures in heaven on a personal level? level? And I'm going to quote one of my favorite people in, my, in the world. It says, when you love someone, <laughs> you have it up there? <laughs> when you love someone, you think about them constantly. You love doing things to make them happy and can't wait to spend time with them. You pour your money, time, and thoughts and energy into them, my wife. So we pour into the kingdom. When we pour into the kingdom, we bless Jesus' heart. And again, we've got to be rem reminded, this is for us believers that love Jesus, right? That should be our natural reaction. So moving on, we're going to read verses 22 to 23. You guys tracking with me? All right, praise the Lord. Amen. So here we're going to see the contrast between the eye that is full of light and the eye that is in darkness. Verse 22 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so here we see Jesus, he speaks about these two visions. He's giving a figure of speech. We have the good eye, a good eye that is, that is healthy, it's full of life. It sees clearly, right? And then we have the bad eye that is full of darkness and is blinded and it cannot see. So the eye that has light has a kingdom focus, right? And then the eye that, is, that has darkness is earthly focused. I want to quote William MacDonald. He says, The good eye belongs to the person whose motives are pure, who has a single desire for God's interest, and who is willing to accept Christ's teaching literally. I love that. Moving on, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So here we're going to see the impossibility of serving God and mammon. And if you guys didn't know what mammon was, I'll give a quick definition. It's just, a, it's, it's money, it's material things, it's riches, it's our possession. So in the kingdom of God, Jesus makes it clear that we can only serve one master. This isn't saying working two jobs, right? We've got to make that clear. This isn't saying working two jobs. When you are serving someone or something, you give it your full attention, and so I have this, this picture of a server, right, a, a literal server, a person that works in a restaurant. Yeah, they serve tables, or they, they may ser- serve multiple tables, but they can only work at one restaurant. They technically can have two jobs as, at, at one restaurant or other, but they're only limited to serving one restaurant, right? And so we have to be reminded that as servants, we're, we're limited. We can't. Jesus makes it clear here. And so one thing also to be mindful of is that you don't have to be rich to serve mammon. The poor and middle class can be just as greedy. You will sacrifice for your God. I'm going to share a story. In the, ni- in the early 90s, there was a rich businessman in L.A. who died steps from his office. He wouldn't give up his $10,000 watch and got shot in his chest. He died for his mammon or his watch, his possession, right? You will sacrifice for your God, whether it's the one true God or the lowercase God. So just a reminder, in the kingdom of God, there are two options to serve, God or mammon. Jesus states that serving two masters is impossible. And if you, are, if you think... This is David Gusick. He says, if you think you are successfully serving two masters, you are deceived. It can't be done. And as believers, don't think you are always serving God. And I want to talk about how I was obsessed with hunting. This is something that I thought about as I was, I was, as I was um, thinking about serving God and mammon. You know, there was a season of my life, and there was my, my, one of my, my, my old youth pastor. I used to go hunting with him all the time. So don't blame him. Um, but anyways, there was a time in my life when I was probably maybe in my, in, I was 18 to 20, 20s, early 20s. Um, I, 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 um, I fell in love with the, with the sport of hunting. 
I did duck hunting, dove hunting, deer, pigs, you name it. And so there was a season of my life where I really devoted what hunting was. You know, you're stalking the animal. You're, you're putting the time to learn their habits. But I also invested my time in the latest gear, um, how, to, how to hunt, right? And so I can honestly say there was a season of my life that I was obsessed with hunting. I worked at the time in Larkspur. Um, and if you guys are familiar with Marin County, it's just beautiful over there. There's, there's actually a lot of just like trees, and it's perfect habitat for, for, for deer. Um, but I would actually study deer habit as I was working. I was working at the fuel pumps, and it's like in the middle of uh, where there's a lot of trees, and there's a lot of deer that constantly came, and I studied their habits so when I can, you know, I can put that practice to when I actually went hunting. Um, but again, there's a season in my life, even though I was walking with Jesus, even though I love Jesus, hunting became my, my, um, my obsession. And so my question for you is, which one are you serving, God or your possessions, mammon? Moving on to my favorite subject, and, if, and a lot of you guys know me. You guys know the struggle that I have with worrying, anxiety, um, but I love what God has to say to us. Verses 25, we're going to see anxiety over our desires. Verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Verse 29 says, And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here, I'm just going to give a, a few quick definitions of, of anxiety and worry. Worry says, give way to anxiety or an ease. Anxiety is a feeling of fear, dread, and uneasiness. The root of anxiety is actually little faith, and anxiety comes from fear, right? And so I want to give you guys just a little bit about anxiety in my personal life, and I hope you guys can, can track with me. But it says, as I look back when I was younger, I had a lot of anxieties and fears at a very young age. But to give you guys a better understanding and reality of how real and raw anxiety is, I like to share a little bit about my upbringing. And so my, in my younger years, I grew up with my two older brothers and my mom. My parents were divorced, and my dad was in and out of my life. 
I grew up in a very unstable environment. My mom worked a full-time job, which left me and one of my older brothers to kind of fend for ourselves during the school week. And so since my mom worked to provide for us, right, we were very limited on parental guidance. You know, um, sorry. So there we are. So there's me and my brother. We're, we're, we're roaming the streets of Hayward um, early in the morning because my mom would drop us off, right, early in the morning before school. And then it would kind of go all the way to after school and late evenings. And um, there we are. There, there we were trying to figure things out. Like, what do we do? You know, sometimes even like, what do we eat? And so, you know, I definitely don't blame my mom for what she did. She definitely needed to provide for us boys. She was a single parent, so I definitely do not look back and say, man, mom, like, I, I, why did you do that? I don't resent her. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, that's, she was doing the best that she could. But it also left so many abandonment issues in my life and insecurities that I have to face growing up to this day. And so to be transparent with you guys, I struggle with anxiety all the time. And the reality of it is, is that it's a true weight to carry. And, and when we have it, it's, it's, it's just a weight, right? And so here we see that in the kingdom of God, we don't need to worry. You know, I didn't have Jesus in my life growing up, but man, I am so glad I have him in, in my life now. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your needs or all, yeah, all your need of, of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I love that. So Jesus gives us these things not to worry about in verse 25. He says, therefore, do not worry about your life, right? What you will eat or drink, what you will where? So that's our life, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. It's interesting because this is what people actually live for. If you think about why do we live, we live for these things, right? Like I, I, I work so I can look fresh. I, I work so I can enjoy a nice steak. I work so I can enjoy a, a nice vacation. These things, again, as we look back on laying up treasures, um, it's just when we, we, when, we, when we make it our priority to do these things. But I also love what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says as we get in the context of worrying. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, life is way more important than these things. If we worry about these things, we miss out on the more important things in life. And so I want to share another story about when we were put into a position that we thought that we just needed to, to move. A lot of you guys are familiar with this, but if you guys didn't know, last year my wife and I were hit with this $20,000 bill. And to sum it up, whoever did our tax assessment did it based off the amount of the previous owner, owner's buying price, which left us owing a bunch of money. We were faced with thinking about our next steps in life. Should we sell and move? Texas sounds good. <laughs> but we But we can buy a bigger property, right? We can live in a more conservative state. We can feel the comfort of the Texas heat and barbecue. 
With the idea in mind, we began to really ask the Lord about this. Um, sorry. We asked the Lord about this. We decided to put some money into our home with the intentions of selling and moving. We were in a seller's market at the time, and homes were being sold way above asking price and closing in about a week. And as we prayed and began to take the steps, we put our home for sale. We moved in with the in-laws right here. And then uh, we moved in with the in-laws for a couple of, of weeks, thinking it would, it would sell quick, and we would just move to Texas. And so when we sold, days went by, no offers, right? A week went by, no offers. Weeks went by, no offers. And then a month went by, we got two offers. They were way, way below asking price. What did we do, Lord? And so as we sought the Lord strongly with you guys, with a lot of you guys, so many from the church, we, um, the Lord gave us the peace, of, peace to, to take our house off the market. He gave us the wisdom to just fully trust him. Here we are to this day with a bigger mortgage, inflation at an all-time high. I had to shut my business down for a few months at the time. And, you know, like, what do we do now, Lord? And so over the last years, though, of marriage and 20 years of following Christ, there hasn't been once where the, where the Lord left us hanging. I can honestly say that with, with my whole heart. And I know a lot of you guys can testify our circumstances didn't change, you know, but God has been so faithful to provide for us in so many ways, even in this past year, in so many unexpected ways through you guys. But I'm so grateful to be a part of this work that God called us to, to stay here. We could have easily done that, right? We could have easily went to Texas. We could have made it happen, even though um, we, um, we, were, we got... Um, below the asking price, we could have kind of manipulated things. We could, have, we could have done that, but the Lord gave us that peace. And, you know, one of the things I think about, you know, if we didn't do that, we would have missed out on so many things, like I, I shared. We would have missed out on all the awesome relationships that we've developed here in the last year. You know, us being able to, to pour into the worship ministry and young adults, um, all those sweet home group seasons that we've been having just to, to really have good relationships. And so the Lord has been, on, like, he's been working a lot on my heart and anxiety for, now, for years now. So when that situation came up, the natural instinct would have, to, would have been to have a full-on anxiety attack and stress out and try to fix the situation for myself. But then I remembered, as I look back, when my wife showed me the bill, I remember saying, it'll be fine, we'll figure it out. You see, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guarded my heart and my mind. Yeah, I could have had a full-on panic attack, but I knew who my God was. All my life, he had been faithful. Why would he fail me now? And just an encouragement for those of you who are in a position of worrying or anxiety, think about the times when God was faithful. Be reminded of who he is. So just to sum it up, in the kingdom of God, we don't need to worry. Amen? Amen. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And so here we, Jesus gives an example, an argument against worrying. 
God provides for the birds and takes care of the birds, right? One thing that we can, we, can, we can notice is that birds don't have this worried look on their face. I don't know what a, what a, worried, look, wor- a worried bird looks like, but I'm pretty sure like, they don't have a, a, this look like, huh? like, Lord, what am, I, what am I doing, right? I don't even know how to make a, a worried look. But also to know birds don't just sit there in their nest waiting for, for God to provide food for them, right? Adult birds don't, at least. They work and God provides for them. We are way more valuable to him than the birds. God values us. Be reminded about that. God values us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I love that. So who is God as our provider? He's Jehovah Jireh. We see so many times in the Bible how God provided for his people, right? He fed the 5,000. And if you guys are familiar with, with, um, with Exodus 16, the Israelites had come out of captivity from Egypt, and they were wandering in the wilderness, and they had no food, and then they, they complained, and God told Moses that he would provide for them, and he did. He did it abundantly, right? You remember I think that's where they received the manna and the bread, right? And so I've seen God provide for my family and friends countless of times. And again, God is faithful all the time. Moving on to verse 27, we're going to see worrying won't add any value. It says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit of his stature? So again, worrying doesn't add any value. In fact, it does the opposite, right? What is it? We lose. We lose sleep. We lose focus. We lose our sanity. We lose our hair, right? So what should we do? We should surrender. Spending time worrying does not change the circumstance. We are leaning on our own understanding instead of trusting in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you guys all know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So worrying doesn't do anything, but it just, you lose. Verses 28 through 30, we're going to see Jesus give another example how he provides. Let's read it. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? And I want to share on, wait up, hold on, sorry. Actually, I'm, 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 I'm skipping ahead. But here we see that Solomon, you guys are familiar with Solomon, he had it all. Solomon, in all his glory, his possessions, right, compared to these flowers, weren't dressed like the beauty of these flowers. If God can provide beauty to wildflowers that have a brief existence here on this earth and they're thrown into an oven, right, God will certainly take care of those who love him, who serve him, who worship him. Moving on to verse 31 and 32. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink 
What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I'm going to share a psalm. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain it. I can't even comprehend it, right? Psalm 139, 1, 1 through 6. We have a heavenly Father who knows our needs here. He knows when we need these things. You know, I think about our kids, and they're at a really sweet age. I love it. They don't worry about what we're going to feed them. They might not always like it, right? <laughs> but they aren't worried about it. They aren't stressed, like, is mom going to feed me today? <laughs> they aren't worried about what they're going to wear. They might actually, Ezzy boy, he loves dressing himself, but they're not worried about us providing um, them with clothes, right? They have a childlike faith that we will provide for them and how we need that. We, ha we can have that confidence that he will provide for us. Moving on to verse 32, it says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, right? So here we, we see that the Gentiles have to worry about all these things, but we don't have to. And then verse 33, I'll read it out. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So how can we deal with worry and anxiety? by putting God first, taking it to the Lord in prayer. And so what does it mean to seek? It means to attempt to find, to search out by any method, to search for, and I love this last part, it says to crave. In the kingdom of God, God must be our top priority in all that we do. And if he isn't, our life will be out of balance. Seek God first, not second, not third, but first. And again, how can we deal with our worry and anxiety? By seeking God first. We're going to close with this last verse. It says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So verse 34, it's going to be talking about living one day at a time. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Focus on the current day. And as I, as I think about this time um, when the twins were born during the early months of life, man, you guys know those newborn days. It is rough, right? But imagine having two of those. <laughs> life was hard adjusting to two newborns. We were sleep deprived. I personally was filled with so much anxiety, fear, and depression, trying to be a strong provider for my family. I remember always Google searching what to expect at whatever month, age they were, and what should we be doing? How much sleep do they need? How much milk are they supposed to have? I remember hearing about sleep regressions. Oh, man, you guys know about sleep regressions and how they just won't sleep, which I feared for. But one night, I remember calling Jared and just venting him to say, and saying, like, this is super hard, man. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, just worrying. And to this day, it always stuck with me what he said. He said, Take things one day at a time. 
just be in the now and don't worry about the things that haven't happened. You know, anxiety happens when we take, when we, when we worry and we take on too much on our plate, especially when you psych yourself out on things that haven't even happened. But I love what 1 Peter 5 says. It says, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. I'm going to have the worship team come up. But in closing, you know, as we, we, we study this, right, why should we believers be kingdom-minded? Why should we care about storing of treasures here in, in, or storing of treasures in heaven? It's not to earn our way into heaven so we can have more stuff, right? And so that we can have more stuff like when we get there, but as an act of worship, as an act of worship from a place of love and gratitude, we want to give back to him and also because we want others to know him. And so when we love someone or something, we go all out for them, right? I have this picture of my wife who is one of the most thoughtful people I have ever met. She probably learned that from her mom right there, brownie points. But I have this picture of my wife who is one of the most thoughtful people I have ever met. When she, when she does the boys' birthday, she goes all out for them, decorating you guys have seen on their Instagram, like all the things that we post. She decorates and makes it special for them. Countless hours she puts in planning and executing it, executing it to making it special for their birthday. She does it out of love. And as people, as his people, as his children, the outpouring of his love in us, in us, it gives us the ability to love him and others. We love because he first loved us, Right? So in the kingdom of God, there is so much to enjoy. There is life. There is hope. There is peace. There are greater rewards that can't compare to possessions of this world. There are provisions that we cannot comprehend other than it's the Lord. The world is tough and only getting worse as the years unfold. Jesus is the only thing in this world that, we can, that can offer a hope so secure. He is consistently strong Gentle, kind, patient, loving, bold, and amazing. His kingdom offers hope, security, and a balanced life. I know a majority of you are, are part of the kingdom. There may be some that don't know if you are. If you, if you want to be part of the kingdom, I want to give the inv invitation to receive Jesus in your heart. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus and you want to be part of the kingdom, I'm going to pray something, a prayer, um, just asking Jesus in your heart. Let's just all pray. And if there's any of you in here, repeat it. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I know that, that I'm a sinner. Lord, I confess that I cannot do it without you. Lord, I need you. I ask you to be my savior. Lord, I want to follow you. Just a simple prayer as that, and I want to close just praying for, for, for my family here, Lord. God, we know, we know that this world offers temporary satisfaction, and as we've, we've, we're taught treasures in heaven and all these things not to worry about, Lord, I pray for my family here that you would help them to be heavenly-minded. Lord, would you do that this morning? God, we pray that you would open up opportunities to pour into the kingdom, Lord. Lord, would you do that today?
Lord, bless the remainder of this, um, this, this day that you would go before us. Bless the time as we fellowship with one another. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in all the things that we say and do today. We pray all this in Jesus' name.